Welcome back to What Do You Want to Watch, the show hosted by myself, Nathan English, and David Dirks. And boy, was it a doozy of a night, Sunday night. David was Mm. hyped. I was hyped. We were all excited. The House of the Dragon came to HBO Max, the Game of Thrones prequel. And so far, what we know was the highest rated season series premiere of 2022 so far. We're going to talk about our thoughts on the first episode, and then we're going to do a little bit of a Mount Rushmore of Game of Thrones characters, just as as we prepare for some more Thrones talk, as this show is sure to enthrall our hearts and minds for the next nine weeks. So stick around for that. David, I know that you watched this because we were texting each other right up until it premiered with our friend that we mentioned last week, Zach, and then we obviously all went on a hiatus for the duration of the episode, finished it at the exact same time, and then texted for like an hour to two hours afterwards, just our thoughts. Kind of a condensed version, David. How did you feel about the premiere of House of the Dragon? I felt very, very good. Uh, it felt so good to be back in this universe. Um, just the costumes, the dialogue, like weird, like little things. But then, of course, just seeing King's Landing and the dragon yeah. shadow, dragon shadow hitting the buildings. Beautiful. Uh, it felt very, very good to be back. So uh, I'm very happy. Very happy man right now. Yeah, I think I I didn't even really realize how excited I was for the show until Sunday hit. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like we're gonna we're gonna get Same. to watch it. Like new Game of Thrones content. I can't believe this is happening. And that first, the first cut because the show opened obviously. Uh, oh, I should just say this right off the bat. We're not going to do heavy spoilers, but there are going to be spoilers for the first episode uh, of this series. So if you haven't seen it yet, you are you have been warned at this time. Um, but the show opens obviously with the kind of. The, the, I, the council picking who would reign, which Targaryen would reign next. And then we cut forward to the, the title screen that says 172 years before uh, the events of Game of Thrones or the birth of Daenerys Targaryen, I mm-hmm. guess I should say. Uh, and then the first shot we get is just we're on a dragon and we're soaring around King's Landing. Rhaenyra's and it looks so good. And they hit you with the the element of the Game of Thrones theme, the score hits, and you're just, you're there. I was all the way back in that moment. And then the rest of the episode delivered, I think. It gave early season Game of Thrones vibes for me. You know, a lot of politics, a lot of violence, a lot of complicated characters. Just a lot to love. Yeah. 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 I don't know really what I expected. I, I do agree. Sunday I woke up and was like, bro, it's here today. Let's go. But I think it met my expectations plus um it was just such an action what even action it was just such a like a loaded episode and it was just all good things in my opinion so let's get into it, it come a great on. job it did a great job setting up i think everything that's going to come after it you know of this show and just all the strife and, and you know there were some negative reviews there's mixed reviews for this show um when it came out um and of course many of the critics have seen more of the show than we have we've only seen the first episode many of them see more but some of them were complaining that there was too much westeros politics and you can get bogged down Mm. in. that's what i want like that's what i'm here for i'm here for like otto hightower the hand of the king trying to maneuver his way 
into more power and, and Damon Targaryen kind of disrespecting the rest of the council. Like I'm here for all of that. But that's what I want. Uh, and I mentioned Damon and, and we might as well get to Matt Smith's performance in the first episode now, because I think that was probably the highlight. Damon Targaryen, how are you feeling about this character an hour into seeing him? I mean, I, I, I'll go ahead and answer kind of the question on, on the, outline favorite character so far i think it's damon targaryen low-key right now like he's like a dark character kind of seems like he might go crazy but he he kind of seems like a cool bad guy right now and i just listening to people talk about it he has to play an important role in this series with just it being matt smith and already seeing the screen time that he has and 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 the and the amount of like times he's talked about by other people in the show and He's just so cool, and I, I I may change that. He may turn into just the worst person, you know. Um, but I uh, right now I'm going with my my guy Damon as kind of my favorite character right now. So uh, George R. R. Martin has has spoken. He obviously um, is heavily involved in the show, as we mentioned on our last episode, and he said that Damon was his favorite character to write about. Um, in the book, I believe the novel that this is based on is called Fire and Blood. Um, it's kind of a, it's almost like a history textbook told from different perspectives about what's happening with House Targaryen. Um, but he said that Damon was his favorite character to write because he's so, he enjoys morally great characters. He enjoys complicated characters because there's points in this episode where you hate Damon Targaryen. But then there's mm-hmm. other points like the funeral scene where he shows like true, real emotion and yeah. care for his family. It's very sincere. Um, the the other standout, I, I, I think, is is Millie Alcock, who is playing Princess Rhaenyra Targaryen. He, yeah. it, George R. R. Martin in advance, we talked about this last week, said that there's not a character we're supposed to root for. But I, I texted you guys and said I was ready to get Team Rhaenyra tattooed on my chest yeah, uh, after yeah. the first episode. I don't know who's not on her side right now, but she's a Targaryen. So the odds of her doing something crazy, irrational, and probably awful in the near future are like at a hundred percent. So I'm, yeah. I'm prepared to, for her to break my heart and then for me to fall in love with her again. And then for her to break my heart again, as I think yeah. most of the characters probably will. Yeah, no, that's like the other character. I feel like at this point, if you're not Damon, you're like team Rhaenyra, uh, Rhaenyra or Rhaenyra. I think it's Rhaenyra. That's how you say okay. it. It's Rhaenyra. Bro, you see her name. You're like, I don't know how I'm supposed to say that, but um, yeah, uh, that's probably the other character of like, she just seems super cool, and you're right. Something's going to happen, and but oh well. You know, we're going to have to face our consequences of choosing her now. Yeah. I I think that this is going to be a show where you're going to latch onto a character and then try to explain all the problematic stuff that they do. You know, mm-hmm. it's going to be like my version of, of Wanda in the MCU, which I'm like, yeah, uh, she did nothing wrong. Like, leave her alone, even though she's – went on a murderous rampage, you know, Yeah. like it, it's fiction, let her be, it's fine. I, I think this will probably be the same thing. David, I want to ask you, we got a lot of, a lot of Game of Thrones callbacks, quite honestly, in this first episode. It didn't cross over to the point for me of feeling like they were just winking at us of like Game of Thrones the whole time. How did you feel about kind of the revelation about the prophecy? Obviously winter is coming as mentioned in this, there's the, dagger that we see Arya use. How did you feel about all that stuff? Uh, I kind of liked it. I mean, I, I I think they didn't hint too much, but I think they did hint enough that, like, 
I mean, this is the same like universe. Like, I know how it ended. They're saying, but like, you guys loved this show for nine years. You guys talked about the show Game of Thrones, and um, right, the excitement you're feeling now is the excitement you felt for most of the show. Uh, you know, and so they're just kind of hitting back at that, like, you know, this is this is all the same, and and even like knowing the ending though, even hearing that the winter is coming, I still got like like a kid on Christmas excited, even though I know the ending. I think that was their intention of like, oh my gosh, yeah, of course, winter's coming, yeah, you know. Even though I know how it ends, I'm still like excited and like, I don't know, giddy. So that that's kind of how I took that. Yeah, and I think that the interesting spot both of us are in right now is we have no idea how this show is going to turn out. Obviously, we know the Targaryen line is going to survive, right? That's that's one thing. Clearly. And also all the characters in this show are going to are dead by the beginning of Game of Thrones. We know that absolutely. But we don't really know how this is going to turn out. And I think yeah. the like the excitement over just anything can happen is just here again. That was the that was the best part about Game of Thrones, I feel like, at the beginning seasons especially, was you just never knew. Like your favorite character could die next episode. You know, you just never knew what was going to happen. It was just the unpredictability of the show. And I feel like that is back again as well. And I don't want to read the books. I don't want to hear people telling me fan theories. I don't want any of that. Yeah. I want to go in every Sunday night at eight o'clock. I want to sit down to watch the show and have no idea what's going to happen in the next episode. And I think that is the perfect, the perfect kind of vein for this show to hit. Yeah, I, I do want to read these numbers. Um, so Hollywood Reporter, Variety, uh, among many um, people, have have put the kind of the viewers out for this opening night, and this they've said that Game of Thrones, this Game of Thrones House of the Dragon uh, premiere, drew nearly 10 million viewers across all platforms in the U.S. And they're saying that uh, it's the biggest series premiere in HBO's history, which I thought was crazy. Like we talked about, like. You know, 19.4 million season eight premiere Game of Thrones will ever get that way. And we kind of probably both agree, like, no, it won't be that big. But did we ever, did we think it this, like, did we think we'd hit 10 million, you know, nearly 10 million at one point in the episode? I, I don't know. Um, I, that, to put that, that's insane for, yeah, for any show that's not live sports, especially now with the way that, that streaming works and every audience is segmented beyond segmented beyond segmented. The fact that th- that's what's happening with this is, is absolutely nuts. It's insane. Mm. Um, and no, I don't, I, I had an expectation. I knew it was going to be a big deal, but I'm really pleased that it was that big of a deal because that shows audience engagement that shows, you know, that people care that, that people care about this, that the, Game of Thrones hangover that we felt was going to affect the audience is probably still going to in some respects, but hasn't so far. And people who rate TV shows on IMDb after one episode are psychopaths. Um, I'll just say that. Like, you've seen an episode of a TV show. How do you rate it? But it's got a 9 out of 10 right now. Um, and the first – there were, of course, detractors, maybe even more critically than, than audience-wise, uh, from the first episode. But the overwhelming majority – that I've seen the feeling is Thrones is back. And that's just mm. beautiful to see for me. Yeah. Yeah. I saw on Twitter, like, I'm so upset this show. It, it was like a meme. Like the first one's like, like Drake, like looking away, like can't believe how Game of Thrones did it in this way. And there's a second one of him leaving in like first me after once, you know, episode of House of the Dragon, like 
people are like, yeah, we were hurt, but this was so good. I'm ready to, I'm back in. Like, this is what I needed. And I think the changes with George being very open about distancing himself from the end of Game of Thrones, saying that he wasn't involved really past season four, and then saying that he's super involved with this show and plans to be throughout the entirety of its run, that they're spending the money on this show, as you can tell from the from the budget, from the sets and everything, that this is clearly a show that HBO is kind of placing their tentpole on and saying, this is going to be our flagship show. Uh, I think that's giving a lot of people hope. And I hope that that hope is not misplaced, that that we are Mm -hmm. rewarded. And it seems like we're going to be so far. But obviously, you know, we've seen 10% of one season. So who knows? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, that was that was pretty much all. We don't really need to get into specifics. Watch the episode for yourself. Uh, I don't want to I don't want to do specific spoilers if you haven't seen it. And if you're a person on the fence about watching Game of Thrones, I would check it out. Because I would say if you like this episode uh, of House of the Dragon, you will like Game of Thrones. And if you don't enjoy this tone, don't enjoy this episode of TV, aren't intrigued by it, then you probably aren't going to be a Game of Thrones person. Um, I think that's pretty clear. But we're going to move on now. We're going to take a quick little break. And then we'll come back with our fave Game of Thrones characters. We're going to try to do a Mount Rushmore of most important characters in the show's history. Could be contentious. So stick around. Mount Rushmore of Game of Thrones characters. That's what we're talking about right now. David, you said right before we started recording that this was a struggle for you. Um, Why? Just just why? why? Why was it such a struggle? Honestly, for me, number one wasn't a struggle. I, I had number one. I had an idea of who number one would be. Um, and I think we might have, I think we'll probably have the same, maybe. I don't know. I actually, I'm really intrigued. But for some reason, I just feel like there's like four, four people, maybe five that could go in these three spots. And I just didn't know, okay, who, what two am I going to have to leave out? You mm-hmm. know, I think that was my issue. I, it's just simply who, what two am I leaving out of, of these five characters? Um, because right, it's not most favorite. It's like most important to the show. Right. Which is a different way of thinking. And that, and that I had to kind of rethink that. So it's tough. I don't know. I'm excited to get into this. Right. I, I, I think that I kind of, I kind of came to it e- easier. I was actually, at first we were going to do favorites. Um, and then we realized one, we do that a lot, but two, the, I, we'd probably have almost identical lists. I feel like that way. Um, I think we have a lot of the favorite. There's there's some characters that are just obvious fan favorites that are going to be on there. Yeah. But getting most important characters kind of forces us to think a little bit more. Um, obviously, probably going to have characters long running. So you know, the the character's going to have to appear in the majority, if not all, of the seasons. Uh, so sorry in advance, Rob Stark, but you're not making this list. Um, neither yeah, is Ned no. Stark. Mm-hmm. Um. Obvious spoilers for Game of Thrones ahead, I guess I should say. Uh, but you know, the the more that I think about it now, that th- there is like one or two that are out out and about. Like you have to you have to mention them, and they will be on the Mount Rushmore. But there's a couple mm-hmm. that are flipping, and it it may come down to I guess personal preference because you don't want to say it's just you know something like it's just leaders, right? It's just political rulers. It's just the people trying to be king. 
you don't you don't want to say that's it, but also you mm-hmm. got to factor that in is those are the people wielding power. Those are the people that are important to the development of the show. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the way this is going to work is David and I are going to like go through our picks one by one together. Um, and if we both have one, we'll probably just give them like a green light right now. They're on the Mount Rushmore. Um, and then if we disagree over them, we're going to fight. Uh, and maybe have to to come to, to a decision. Yeah, to the death. Uh, <laughs> the the mountain Ober Martel style. Uh, I call being the mountain, by the way, in that instance. Um, everybody knows that because I'm humongous, just like the mountain is. Uh, all right, David, give me. You're you're hinting at this one one this this one one overall person. Go ahead. Who is it? it has to be Jon Snow, right? Okay, that's not what I had at 1-1, but it, make your case for Jon Snow. Okay, so first of all, for him to be brought back to life twice, that's also, that's just a big that's a big thing. But like Lord Commander of the Night's Watch, he's the king of the north. He's crucial to Danny's trip uh, to King's Landing. He's argu- I mean, also with being the most loved, arguably most cheered for character, right? He convinces the wildlings and the Night's Watch to work together. That was huge towards the end of the show. Of like mm-hmm. they were gonna rip each other apart, and he's like, no, guys, come on, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and ultimately, he's like the biggest enemy to the Night King. Like the Night King hates a lot of people, but it's Jon Snow who he repeatedly just does not like and is after. And I feel like, in a way, like Jon Snow, Loki, is like the the main character of this entire uh, TV show. He's, which he's one of the people we spend the most time with. Absolutely. And it's like you, you see the most of him and from him. And and, and so for me, I was like, oh, Jon Snow has to be in there. Um, but that that's just kind of, you know, quickly, that's what I'm thinking. Is he on your Mount Rushmore? Is he just yes. not 1-1? One, yes. one? He was just okay. not 1-1, one, one, but he, yes. I, I think that we can we can pretty easily agree. Um, yeah, Jon Snow is one of the three characters we spend the most time with. He's the one that's yeah. the most important. I, I like Jon Snow. I, I enjoy Jon Snow. There's a couple of times for me where Jon Snow gets boring throughout the series, but I don't think you can deny the importance he has to the overall arc of many other characters in the story as a whole. So I will agree, Jon Snow, although I think maybe a little wrinkle we can have is who we feel like should be in what position, because you have him at one. I had him at three. Um, mm, okay. But, but I, I agree with Jon Snow. So So book him. He's on the Mount Rushmore right now. We don't know which president he is yet, though, I would say. Okay. My one one was Daenerys Targaryen. Mm. Um, the whole show is essentially about her trying to reclaim the, the Iron Throne, and mm. I don't think there's any way to really argue against that. I mean, the the series is just an encapsulation of her journey from this young girl who's pretty much sold by her brother to a Dothraki warlord in order for her brother to make a power move for the throne. But her brother is a little piece of crap, essentially, um, mm-hmm. and eventually gets killed uh, in maybe one of the most brutal deaths in all of Game of Thrones. Um, yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty tough just being having the molten hot gold poured all over him and down his throat. Um, that's, but then that's tough. From there, it's her journey of becoming the mother of dragons, right? right? She, she went from this girl who's being sold essentially into a marriage to the mother of dragons commanding armies landing in Westeros taking on the night king and his armies the only reason that they in any way survive is Daenerys and her dragons 
And then at the end of the show, it's her taking over King's Landing. And you can say that her turn was poorly done or they took this fan favorite character. But either way, whether you like her arc or not, she's one of the most important characters to the franchise. And I don't think you can argue any other way. Um, so I, I'm going to put Daenerys up there as my pick. David, what do you think about that? She didn't make my... No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I was like, um, what? <laughs> she... she um, Honestly, like, I had her at four. But now that you say that, I'm kind of like, why in the world did I have her at four? Like, because the, the series is... It's not solely about her, but it really is about her journey and, and trying to get back to the throne, which is is rightfully hers, as she as she claims. Like, So that's... No, you, you definitely convinced me. I, I, I knew she was on the list, but you convinced me to move her up. Um, mm. Also, she's a stud. And also, yeah, like, without the dragons, rest in peace. Anybody who's alive. Because there's no way you're winning that war without dragons yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Um, so, no, that's a very, very good point. Very good point. Um, cool. So for those counting... And those who have seen the show, we actually now have technically two Targaryens on our Mount Rushmore. <laughs> True. Um, is it a- Aegon? Or what was his? Which is? I don't remember his father's name. Is it a- It's not Aegon, is it? No, that's the Mad King. That's Daenerys' father's name. Um, okay. Is no Viserys is her brother's name? Gosh, I can't. It's been there's so, so many characters, and there's well, just like, yes. Yeah. I'm just. Jon Snow's dad, and they're gonna be like Ned Stark. <laughs> uh, yeah. Rhaegar, Rhaegar Targaryen. Got you. That that's her dad. Uh, also the the RHs for the Targaryens. Big big fan of those apparently. Mm. All right, I think I think this now is... is very this. Okay, so we have two slots filled, right? So which we're is, already halfway we're two down. for two, which is like wow. Okay, yeah. So David, hit me with your next nominee. This this is where it got tough for me. I I had I have Cersei. Three for three. Are you three you, three. you really? Had yeah. Because Cersei. Yes. So explain explain your point, and then I'll okay. explain why I also had Cersei on mine. Besides the Night King, she is the most consistent and most hated antagonist through all eight seasons. She is she gets triple quadruple the screen time the Night King does. Um, and she probably is in the top five, maybe even top three of most screen time on show. But she manipulates everyone around her, including Jamie, Joffrey, Tommen, all these main characters, uh, and make make them more hateable. The reason Lannisters rule King Landing for as long as they do, like she just plays such an important key, not a good one, but important role and key in like so many characters in that show, and mm-hmm. simply the Lannisters rule at King's Landing. So that's why I had Cersei. I actually have her at two right now. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I I had Cersei at two as well. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe that's where we should just place her. I, I first of all, Game of Thrones is a show populated by people with bad morals and and villains. Essentially, it's it's overpopulated. You could say with villains, there's so many people to root against. And I don't think that we could have made this Mount Rushmore without talking at least putting one villain on there. And the best villain is yeah. Cersei. She's she's mm-hmm. the one easiest to hate. Um, she's the one who is behind the scenes. Like you say, anytime somebody in King's Landing is doing something evil, Cersei has a hand in that pie. She is always manipulating everything to the point of, you know, she was pretty much ruling the country for Robert Baratheon, who had no idea what he was doing because he was just (laughs) drunk all the time, essentially. But 
you know, she's plotting behind the scenes for everything, hates her own brother, tries to get him killed. You have the whole love affair with Jamie, which is a huge, huge part of the show. And then at the end, you know, she's the one that is last to be conquered. Now, whether you think that's right or not, and they should have gone for the, the Night King last instead of Cersei, Cersei is the last villain to overcome at the end. Now, you could say Daenerys turns into being a villain and then they conquer, whatever. But Cersei is the one that the ultimate goal is knocking Cersei off her throne. And I think that that is such an important part of the series. And Lena Headey is giving one of the best performances, I think, in the series as well, the actress who plays Cersei, that you have to mention her because she's such a hated character. Other people come along and steal her thunder, but she outlasts them. Is this one of the best performances by a villain in a TV show ever? I think it has to be up there because it's so consistent. Yeah. Um. Because she's there, you hate her from the moment you meet her, really. Oh, Before absolutely. she's even introduced as being like a full-on villain. Mm-hmm. And you hate her with the exception of like one really character arc for a few episodes. You hate her throughout the rest of the show. And she's so smart. And, and um, a lot of season seven and eight honestly relies on her being hateable because they kind of were running out of stuff to do. So there's a lot of scenes of Cersei standing there drinking wine in King's Landing talking about how much she hates her brother and hates Daenerys and hates the Starks and hates, you know, I I don't know. She's just, there's, again, other people come and steal her thunder and take the title. You could say that you hate Joffrey more or or you hate Ramsay Bolton more, but those characters don't last. Nope. They don't stay there for long. They get killed. Joffrey dies in season four and Ramsay dies at the end of season six and their arcs are not near as long, but Cersei Lannister is over the entirety of Westeros and, and, and is in charge of them. So, yeah. yeah. And, and low-key could be the reason why we hate Joffrey so much. Is right. probably the reason, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, made him that way. All right. So right now we're three for three. So we only have one. Jeez. Uh, David, this... I want to give I want to give out some names first before we pick who this last a, person like is going pool. to be. Like a pool. Right, like yeah, a pool okay. for who we think in here. The two, the first two that pop into my mind, I think the top two, unless you would disagree, are Tyrion and Arya Stark. I would uh, agree. I, I would say that those are the top two. I would put Sansa below them. Okay. Um, and I don't, I think those have separated themselves from the rest of the pack. You don't, you don't think Bronn Stark with his, his knowingness and his future and, and, and no. Freaking get Bran out of here. I don't I don't want to cook because you also just feel like you have nothing to do with him. Um, I, I, I thought about Theon Greyjoy, but I don't think he he's he's not a minor character, but he's not. He's not on the echelon of the others. Yeah. I, I thought about putting Littlefinger. Because um, mm. he's a lot of behind the scenes, kind of like Cersei, yes. but not nearly as bad. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, Jamie was, was a person that is also throughout the whole show, but I, I I feel like Jamie is always a pawn in somebody else's story. Um, rarely are they Jamie-centric stories. Um, I, I mean, they happen from time to time. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it has to be those two. Do you want me to share who I have? Because one of those two is on my fourth spot. Go ahead. Go ahead. Arya Stark. Okay, interesting. Four for four. I had RA2. Oh, my gosh. Let's go! <laughs> We're cracked. Okay, guys, 
we did not talk about this. I put this together 30 minutes before the show even. Like we didn't know this. This is insane. Yeah, we did we didn't talk about this. Let me can I make the case for Tyrion because we need to consider him. Yes, um, yes. Okay, so first of all, Tyrion's smartest character maybe in the whole series with the exception mm-hmm. of some dumb stuff at the end of season 8 that the writers forced him into, but the person who who is the smartest, most reliable and probably most decent character in the entire show. Um, mm-hmm. there's never really a moment in the show where you ever hate Tyrion, uh, and most of his actions you feel like are justified, and mm-hmm. that's that's something that's important. Another thing is Peter Dinklage is amazing. Um, specifically, yeah, we talked about last week. Season four was kind of the moment for Tyrion to shine, and and shine he did, uh, and that's one of the best arcs. Um, and, and Tyrion's story is one of, of constant humiliation and failure but because people around him fail to recognize his genius um because of his physical um his physical attributes because he's a dwarf in in the show people fail to recognize his his brilliance and, and his ability for policy and the way that he can frame things for the public um he's one of the only people that seems to care about commoners the rest of them are, are caring about royalty and are caring about their status and are caring about who's ruling and who's in charge. And Tyrion seems to want what's best for the common people throughout the entirety of the series. Um, and I think yeah. that has to be noted. And he's my second favorite character in the series. Yeah. Well, and like what's I think what makes him even more like maybe not relatable, but a person you want to cheer for is through all of that, like, he's not taken seriously. He's made fun of for, just because he's made fun of, but also, yes, because of his physical attributes. And uh, he's heavily bullied by his, his own family, you know. So then in that aspect, even seeing that early on, you, you kind of want to cheer for him. Because you're like, man, his whole entire, his sister literally just said that he wished he had died at birth. Like, this, I'm cheering for this guy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then for him to come out as a, as a redeemable, as a good character, always just knowing what side to be on um just smart i mean like ballsy for him to go up to danny you know and 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 ask for an alliance but like it was he knew where things were going and he knew it was the right thing to do like he just is always one step ahead and yeah absolutely he he was able to talk himself out of almost every single terrible situation he was placed in yeah and and that's impressive uh and yeah the the hate starts at the beginning the lannister family because uh, Jamie and, and Tyrion do get along. They do have a better relationship. But Tywin and Cersei hate him because they blame Tyrion for his mother's death um, mm-hmm. because she died giving birth to him. And they, they blame him. They say that that is his fault. And they pretty much use that to hate him for the rest of, of the show. And he gives the best monologue in the show whenever he talks – when he's on trial for the death of Joffrey and he's being accused. Mm-hmm. And he obviously didn't do it. Um, but – he tells people that he wished that he had. Um, And it's just, it's a powerful scene. Again, second favorite character, but he ain't number one. We all know who that is. It's the goat. It's the most deadly person in Westeros, I I guess you could say. Uh, Arya Stark, uh, the person who from the beginning of the show is is described to us and shown to be a a tomboy who does not care for, for her sister, who wants just to be with her older brothers running around. Uh, she wants to be a boy. She wants to be a soldier. Uh, she wants to be an assassin. 
and we we get to see her train out to learn the water dance in the in the first season she has to watch her dad die and then she makes a list she makes a mm -hmm. list of all the people that she wants to kill and she kills a lot of people on that list um she kills the entire Frey dynasty essentially ends them <laughs> ends the house of Frey oh, by her freaking true. self um we, we see her cake. go across this <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah she she kills them all by just poisoning them um and I, we see her go across the sea the many-faced god and become again probably one of the deadliest people to ever walk westeros um with her size and and that all culminates in a moment that we don't really think should have happened, but it did. And there's nothing we can do about it. Is she kills the Night King? Yeah. Ultimately, that's this is really the reason she's on the list, right? She kills the Night King. She wins she, the war. She kills for, the Night King and saves humans. Westeros. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's what she does, and and she's the character we follow most throughout. And I I, I think well, we don't follow her most screen time wise, but she's the one that I cared about the most. Like I was always happy for Arya centric episodes. Um, her, you know, repertoire with the, the hound, um, throughout that, that arc of the show, just a lot of other stuff, um, that was integral to the plot of Game of Thrones and, and her becoming the warrior, becoming the, she's probably the person we root for the most, I would say above yeah. even Jon Snow, you want Arya Stark to succeed. Um, yeah. and you know, just, just fantastic, just fantastic yeah. all around character. Yeah. When I would say this, she is more of a good person, more of a morally like right person than Tyrion. I think that's one person that is above him because I mean, she is kind of a kid, right? Would you, you would you say see, like as far as, okay. But like, as far as the game of Thrones more, like, I think, like, I think her motivations are, you could say that, but the fact that Arya is just focused on murdering people <laughs> may true. knock that's her down true. effect because Tyrion is pretty averse to violence, which is respectable. Oh, that's true. Um, I'm biased, you know, I guess, in that the people Arya killed deserved it. So I'm like, well, that was okay. You know, but that's right, still, right. it's still murder. Right. Um, okay. But yeah, I think, I think that she's a character that we watch grow up the most. Um, I think it's her and Sansa are the, are the two characters we watch grow up the most and change mm -hmm. the most. Um, and that's just really cool. Macy Williams did a great job uh, with the performance as well. But I, I think she has to be there. And I wish we had five slots because Tyrion would be right there behind her. Um, well, I think a, it's close. Uh, I was going to say there's a mysterious fifth president on Mount Rushmore. So maybe that mysterious spot could be to Tyrion. I don't think that's that's true. But that thank you fair. for that, David. All right. So we agreed. Wow. Wild. For, Absolutely four wild. Four for four. Four for four. However, now this is why it's fun that I said we have to assign one through four our rankings um, of, of the list because that this is the only thing we disagree on. So David... How are we going to do this? How, how we Okay, so recap, we have Daenerys Targaryen, Jon Snow, Cersei Lannister, Arya Stark. We we agreed Cersei at two and Arya Stark at four, right? Or did you change maybe in this, in this conversation? Did you kind of have adjustments? No, I think that's... I think that's right. You know, I kind of want to bump Cersei to three. I kind of want to bump Cersei to three and put. And we're gonna talk. Are we talking either Danny or John at one? Yeah. Mm, 
Okay. But okay, so, but I know Arya. So you gotta far. you gotta remove Arya being your favorite character. I have for a to remove that. I can't because it's, it's part ult- of my being. Ultimately, the only reason Arya's on this list, I think, is because she killed the Night King. I think nothing. I mean, she had important roles, but I think that's one of the only main reasons. But compared she's to the one that gets the most revenge for the Stark family. I feel like uh, she's the she's the one that kills the phrase. She's the one that's solely focused on getting revenge. Um, and that's such an important arc. You know, Jon Snow is not focused on that for most of the show. And you could say Sansa isn't either. Um, Comparing to these other three characters, though, how to... Okay. This is tough. Okay, let's just put... We mentioned her last. Let's just put Arya fourth. Okay. Let's just put okay. Arya fourth. I move... You know what? No. Cersei stays. Cersei stays in second. Main antagonist of the whole series. Got to keep her there. And a very, very good one. Okay. Yes. Uh, okay. Danny and John, one and three. For me, it's not close. Uh, and I know that Jon Snow is very important, but I think the House of the Dragon title credits show it's Daenerys, who is also a Targaryen. It's Daenerys Targaryen is the more important one. They mention her birth. You know, mm-hmm. her family and her birth sets everything off. And yes, they're related. But Jon Snow, um, while important to the arc and certainly important to the Night King aspect, is not really in the quote-unquote game of Thrones trying to get the Iron Throne mm-hmm. until the very end of the show. And even then, he doesn't want it. But I think that the whole show is about Danny's return trying to restore House Targaryen. That's her whole her whole motivation to stop the wheel, to break the wheel that's crushing people and to be good. That's her whole motivation for the entirety of the show. And that's what we see her do. Even on another continent, she is the mother of dragons. I think she has to be one. You make very good points. Go ahead, counter it. Well, I, I'm think. Yeah. No, you're making me think for sure. I just, this is tough. I mean, yeah, you, you, yeah, you're like it's not close. I don't know. For me, I just feel like screen time and uh, just I, I think the big thing for me, I think, is just what he like King of the North, like what he did in the North and like bringing everyone together and where everyone was just opposite side, especially like the Wildlings and the Night's Watch and bringing all of these all of these people together who are animals and wanted to kill each other and which definitely helped, um, you know with with the humans in the fight against um the night king and his army um yep yep um i i i would i i think that Jon snow is is very important and obviously his duel with with the night king and his showdown is vital and i think that you could make the argument that Jon snow is the most important if he kills the night king but he doesn't mm. He doesn't kill the Night King. His arc never gets fulfilled. Danny, while people don't like the way that her story ended, is one of the few people that completed from the beginning what she sought to do. Mm. She went rogue at the end. She did what Targaryens do. You know, she killed innocent people. She she rained fire on King's Landing. But she she's the she started, she was the tried to she started her journey trying to get back to Westeros and sit on the Iron Throne. And by the end, she does. 
Um, not for very long, as Jon Snow kills her <laughs> pretty shortly afterwards, but True. she does. Um, which you could say is an argument in pro Jon Snow. I just think that Danny is so centric and so vital to this story that it's it's got to be her. I think I would put her as the main protagonist for Game of Thrones over Jon Snow. Um, I would argue that. Okay. Give the mother of dragons the one spot. Let's do it. Let's go. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I, just to th- honestly, honestly, the thing that hung, uh, hung me up on it was just like, without the dragons, there's just no way that any of this ends the way it did. And yeah, she's like one of the only ones that completed what she wanted to do all the way back at the beginning. Like it took her eight seasons and she got there and man, she, yeah. she breaks the wheel. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. So just to recap, uh, our Mount Rushmore of Game of Thrones characters in first place, we have, we have Daenerys Targaryen. Second mm. goes to Cersei Lannister. Third, Jon Snow. And fourth, Arya Stark and just missing the cut. If the mountain was a little bit bigger, would definitely be on there. It's Tyrion Lannister as the honorable mention in fifth. David, wonderful talking about this with you. I'm so excited for oh, yeah. the, the future of the Thrones universe. Yeah, my, my hopes and expectations were up before the episode, and they're uh, even higher after that. So, yeah, we're very excited. Uh, hey, this will drop actually on Wednesday, so y'all have plenty of time to listen to this before the next episode on Sunday at 8 p.m. So, yeah, this has been House of the Dragons Recap. What do you want to watch? Uh, thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you later. Bye.